Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. In Matthew 24, in verse 1, there, Jesus and the disciples are walking out of the temple. In fact, if you look at it with me, it says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. So they're walking out of the temple. And the disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. It's kind of an interesting scene here. I had really had never noticed this before, but the disciples are kind of proud of the temple. They're showing it off. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever I remember when we lived in Belgium uh, for a while, uh, we'd always have people, my dad was a missionary there, and we'd have people come and visit us, and it seemed like every time people would visit us, what we were maybe, I think it felt like it wasn't that long, maybe an hour or so, uh, maybe a little longer than that, but I was a kid, so I don't remember how long. It didn't seem like it was that long. You could drive down to Paris and, or up to Waterloo. Y'all know where Napoleon met his Waterloo, and we would be able to go to those sites, and it was just, it was kind of a thing. We went to it so often, we could show the sites. We could show it off, and you're kind of proud of it. That's the same thing with the disciples here. They're pretty proud of the temple. In fact, uh, they are not just proud of it, as in this is an interesting uh, cultural artifact. They saw this as an important center of who they were. This was a, a very important piece of their identity, the, the temple there in Jerusalem. And in verse 2, Jesus saith un, said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. He's saying to them in a, in a phrase, this isn't going to last. He's saying, this beautiful temple that you're pointing out to me, and yes, it's important, I understand. I think Jesus understood, and probably better than any of them understood, what it represented. Uh, he understood all of that, but he says to the disciples, he says, listen, folks, what you're looking at, it's not going to last. And this was pretty important to them, so they're kind of worried when Jesus said, this thing's going to be destroyed. Look what he says in verse 3. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? They're saying, listen, you, Jesus, you said that temple's coming down. It's clearly got to be the end of the world, because that, that would mean, that has the signal, the end of everything. It is all over. You can almost hear the panic in their voices as you listen to those, to those questions that they have there. When is this going to happen? When is the temple going to go, go down? When is the end of the world? And they are actually, I think if you read those three questions that they have there, they're, they're almost blurring those three things together the temple and the end of the world and Jesus is coming they're blurring all this together and what I want to spend the time on this evening starts really at the end of, and starts in verse 4 and goes down to verse 14 I want to bring to you the words of encouragement that Jesus gave to the disciples he's calming actually believe it or not this is a passage I've heard so many times preached and every time I hear it preached, I hear it preached as if this ought to be a reason for us to be worried. And in fact, Jesus is, these are words of, of soothing and calm from Jesus. He's, they've got some worries, they've got some stresses, and they've got fears. And I want to encourage you that in spite of what the news media is saying, 
In spite of what some preachers in pulpits are saying, I actually listened to one this afternoon. I won't name his name because I don't want none of y'all to go listen to the man. All he had to say was how horrible the world is right now and how this was some kind of huge conspiracy. And he's always talking from the pulpit. He mentioned the scripture and then went off on some political tangent. Had no encouragement for God's people. Had no, no call to look to Christ had everything to do with how this politician and this country and what political agenda he had. So I don't care what the preachers are saying. I don't care what the news media is saying. In spite of what your mind might be telling you, here's what Jesus says. This is what we're going to listen to. Jesus says first in verse 4, he says, "Take take heed that no man deceive you. Don't be deceived by the news. Don't be deceived by the news. He says there in verse 5, he says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. There will be many people who claim to be Christ's. Well, you say, well, I haven't heard too many people say that they're, that they're Jesus. And that's not what he means necessarily. He means people who would claim that they have the answers, that they're who you need, who you must listen to, that they are the answer to the problems that you have. John says, says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18 that, even now there are many antichrists in the world, those who would try to take away from the power, the glory, the solution, that dare I say it again, the propitiation that our Savior has, that they have what is needed. Not, he says these people are all over. And he says don't let them deceive you. There are many who will come and say, I am Christ, and they will deceive you. Those that don't look to Jesus Christ are those who are these antichrists. That's what 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. If you hear anybody, and I'm just going to say this very plainly to you, if anybody is preaching a, a word, I won't call it a gospel, if they are preaching a word to you, if you are seeing a word on the news or any other newspaper, any other place you're seeing on the internet, and that doesn't point your heart to Christ, if your heart is not brought back to Jesus Christ, I want to tell you unequivocally, that that is a spirit of antichrist. I want you to hear that very loud and clear. And there are many voices in this moment that are speaking many, many things. And as Christians, I think we can even hear secular voices that will point us to Christ if we will listen to them correctly. But even our own minds sometimes can be antichrist. And I want you to understand, your own mind, you could hear a piece of information, and instead of listening to that information for, for what it says, your mind goes in a million directions. That is the spirit of Antichrist. I want you to know that your mind needs to be pointed to Christ. He goes on in verse 6 and says, You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. He said there's going to be war and there's going to be disturbances all around us. That's the kind of era, he says, that's going to come. And just so you know, and if you know anything about history, you know the time between Jesus' time here and the moment that we live in now. That has been marked our history. Wars and rumors of wars. I mean, some of you all, especially some of the, the generation before me, have endured some significant wars. I know my father spent uh, some of his formative years in, in Vietnam. There are others in, in a previous generation that spent a lot of time in, in World War II and the Korean War and all these. So we've, had, we've experienced it as a congregation, is my point to say. But the point is that there will be all over us. But look at what Jesus says. Continue on in verse 6. He says, you're going to hear about this stuff. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But what does that last phrase say? But the end is not yet. 
the end is not yet. You see, our hope is not in perfect peace in the world. Our hope is not in everybody saying the right thing. Our hope is not even, can I go ahead and say it, it's not even that our pulpits are always preaching perfectly the right stuff because we're human beings and there's some men in pulpits that don't need to be in pulpits. But our hope is not in that thing. That is not where our hope lies. Our hope is in the Lord. There are some would-be messiahs and some of them take the name of preacher, some of them take the name of news anchor, some of them take the, take the name of politician, some of them take all sorts of names, some of them take the name of your, your loved ones, your friends and family. And they are saying that the end is here because it's all doom and gloom. But your hope is not in the politicians fixing this mess, or even, and I hope and pray that they will find a cure, a vaccine, a, something to deal with this certain, certain circumstance. But my hope is not in medicine. My hope is not in fame. My hope is not in money. My hope is not in success. I, I'm concerned in this, pre, in this current in, environment that we're in that, there, that we, I think, rightly are doing some things that the government is telling us to do. But if we're not careful, when this is over, there will be serious threats to freedom of religion and freedom and rights to assemble. We need to be concerned about those things. But my hope is not built on having the freedom to, re, to, to worship as I please. I want that freedom, but that is not my hope and my, my, and my peace. Paul says it this way in Philippians 4. He says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You see, what the Antichrist wants you to do, the Antichrists that are in the world today, as well as that Antichrist that will come, as we understand in the book of the Revelation, but the Antichrist want to do is they want you to miss that your God is still in control. They want you to miss that he's never releasing any amount of control. He will never step down from the throne. The Antichrist wants you to miss that. But Jesus says, don't be deceived by the news. Don't buy into what they're saying. They're going to lie to you. Go back to verse 6, and he says there, after talking about wars and rumors of wars, he says, see that you be not troubled. Jesus is saying, don't be alarmed by the news. Don't be alarmed by the news. That, that, those wars and rumors of wars, they are signaling what he continues on in verse 7 to say, that nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and pestilence and earthquakes and diverse places. He's saying here that there's going to be international conflict. Again, we've already said that that's been marked in the past. I, I don't suspect that that's over yet. I think that will continue. We will see international conflict. Uh, we will see tensions. We will see posturing. We will see fights. I, I don't know if y'all remember it because it almost seems like ancient history now, but not that long ago, uh, President Trump was having a little bit of a tiff with North Korea, and there was almost a showdown there. I think, hopefully, I believe North Korea got the, got the wiser on the thing and kind of backed down on the whole thing. But the thing is, we're going to see more of that kind of thing continue on. It's happened throughout all of history. It will continue. We'll see, as we've even seen in this country already, and I suspect we are probably even seeing it now, election tampering, chemical and biological warfare. And some of you, as I even say the words, I'm putting names to the fears that are in your head. I want you to know that the Lord Jesus Christ said, I know that's coming. 
I know it's coming. He says, and he says there, there's going to be famines and pestilence. There's going to be human suffering. There's going to be time where there's not enough food. There's going to be time when there's too many that are sick. There's going to be natural disasters. <laughs> but look at verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. It ain't the end. It's not over. It's not over. You see, my hope is not in having enough to eat. I sure like to have enough to eat. Don't get me wrong. My hope is not in peace around the globe. I'd like to have peace around the globe. But my hope is not in those things. This world will always be out of control. But my God is always in control. This hope that I have is not in this world being under control. My hope is in the God of the universe being on the throne, being in control of it all. You see, we've had war, we've had sickness, we've had death, we've had disasters. We've had those things from the beginning. And they shouldn't shake our faith. They, they do, let's be honest about it, at least for me, they shake my faith from time to time. When they happen, they shouldn't shake our faith. In fact, they shouldn't even surprise us. In fact, what should surprise us, especially those that are listening to me, I'd say the vast majority of you that are listening to me on the internet, you are people who have lived in an age of prosperity. You are Christians, you name the name of Christ, and we're glad for God's blessings, but we are oddities in the history of Christianity. We are oddities that we're able to freely gather together. We are oddities that most of us have enough money in the bank at least to be able to pay for the groceries that, are, that we need to get this week. We've got, we are oddities in the history of the world that way, so we should be surprised we haven't had it worse. That's what Peter says in 1 Peter. He says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. <laughs> but rejoice. Now, <laughs> hang on, Peter. I don't know if I'm ready to go that far. But I know what he's trying to say because he says, Rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers in Christ's suffering. Do you know that Jesus Christ suffered and bled and died for you? And it wasn't so you could live the American dream. It was so that you could have life and more abundant life, eternal life, life that will never end, life in which you can know God. He's given that to you. And if that means we have to endure some sickness and we have to endure some pestilence, we have to go through some, we have to go through some wars and some famine, he says... That, it ain't over yet it ain't over yet because we're called to follow our lord jesus christ in spite of the wickedness of this world in spite of the sufferings of this world in spite of the sorrow in this world so don't be deceived by the news but also don't be alarmed by the news because this is just how it's supposed to happen and he goes on to say don't give up because of the news i want you to see this here in verse 9 he says this is what's going to happen it's going to start getting personal he says, they're going to deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. He's talking to the, the disciples, of course, and I believe it was directed at these men, what he's saying here, but I think the implication is that any would come after him, that this would, this would be the norm. This would not be unusual for them to experience these things, that they would be persecuted, that they would lose their life, and the world would hate them, that the world would look at them and reject them. Because remember, remember what they did to Jesus? The one that we every Sunday hold up and worship and say, thank you, Lord. Some of us even have in our yard those signs that say, thank you, Jesus. You know that, Jesus? You know what they did to him? They nailed him to a cross, and he had never done anything wrong. In fact, you know what he had done? He actually healed people. 
He actually helped people. He fed people. He did good things. There is no debate that Jesus did nothing but good on this planet, yet they killed him. What do you think they're going to do to us? And Jesus says, just want you to know, this is what's going to happen. And he even goes further to say that in, in verse 10, he says, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. See, see, at first it's going to start from the world hating us. This is the way it naturally happens. But what starts happening is some so-called Christians start turning against each other. That's what he says is going to happen. That some called, so-called Christians are going to turn against the true believer, believers. And then it goes even further that in verse 11, and many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. So this is what we're seeing today, by the way. The, the world has turned against Christianity in, in times past. And because of that, there's some quote-unquote Christians who have turned against other Christians and have created really a false gospel, preaching a prosperity gospel, preaching a, a, a nationalistic gospel, preaching all sorts of things that have nothing to do with the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're sitting there, and we, they're throwing us, true Christians, under the bus. And he says, there's going to be some people who are deceived by them. And there's going to be other people, verse 12, it says, because that iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. There's going to be some that are deceived by these false prophets. There'll be others that they're saying, man, this is really hard. I don't know if I really want to be in this. They're going to wax cold. They're going to drift away. They're going to be, be less passionate about the truth of Jesus Christ. And it really all is because of church folk. Ain't that something? <laughs> church folk is the ones that do that. But what's happened is they're going to do as Paul warned us not to do in Romans chapter 12, to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You see, we don't need to give up because of the news. In fact, he says there that he that shall, in verse 13, he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. He's saying there that whether by death or by rapture, our focus needs to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. I will dare say, I do not know your soul. I do not know your heart. I do not know that. That is between you and God. But I will tell you, based on my understanding of Scripture and my examination of some people's lives, they may say there was a moment in time when I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, but their life tells a completely different story. And this is what he's talking about here. There will be some who go through the motions, and when it's easy, they will be, quote, a Christian. They will show up to the church activities and do those things. But in those secret moments, their heart is not with that. They have waxed cold. They have been deceived by false prophets. They have been offended in some way, and they are not following after the Lord. And I will tell you, you can say you're saved all you want to. But unless the Holy Spirit has come into your heart and transformed your life, there is no salvation. And you can, you can hang on to any kind of profession you want to hang on to, but I want to encourage you to be holding on to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only by the hem of His garment that there is salvation, by the hem of His garment that there is healing and that there is hope. He says if you will hang on, don't give up, because you've got somebody that's stronger than you, somebody's greater in you than he that's in the world. We're not going to let these times and the desire for the good old days or our own fears allow us to drift away from the faith because we have the Holy Spirit in us and he is going to keep us, our eyes turned to Jesus and to him alone. See, I think the devil will, I think he gloats over the fact that some people get distracted by events and by people not seeing Jesus. I mean, right now is a good time, I think, for the devil in some ways. 
I think the Lord's going to win in the long run. I ain't worried about the Lord. I'm worried about y'all, but I'm not worried about the Lord. <laughs> but I think the devil enjoys these times where we can get our eyes off the Lord and look around us and say, oh my goodness, look at what's going on. I know he's done a good work on me this week. I'm honest with you when I say that. I, I mean, it's easy to look around and see what am I not doing? What do I need to do? And I don't have all the tools I used to have. And let me try these other things and miss the essence and the heart of it all. That my job is not to connect to you on Facebook. My job is not to uh, preach a better style or a better passionate sermon than this man or that man. My job and each of our job is to see and follow Jesus and show Jesus in every aspect of our life. And I think the devil likes it when we get distracted on all this other stuff. He really likes that. And he wants the world to, to be looking at everything but the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is telling us very quickly, he's telling us, listen, don't be deceived by the news. There's going to be some lies out there. Uh, definitely don't be alarmed by it. It's just the way it goes. It's how it happens. Don't give up because of it. There's going to be some trying times, but you have to have your hope in the Lord. And he says the reason for this is your God is completely and totally in control. I want you to see this in verse 14. And he says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached. Now, it's gospel of the kingdom he's talking about. This is what Jesus preached from the minute he steps foot on the scene. He says, believe in me as the, as the king, the Messiah, the one who's sent to save the world. He's saying, repent, believe the gospel. You go look and see how he preaches this. Those first words out of his mouth, he says, follow me, follow me. That's what he's talking about there. We need to follow Jesus, the kingdom of the gospel. He said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all of the world for a witness unto all nations. And then what does he say there? And then shall the end come. <laughs> this gets me a little bit excited. I want you to hear this. The end only comes when God says the end comes. The gospel will be preached in all the world. If you go to Matthew chapter 28 here at this church, we have emphasized Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He has certainly given that to us as a command. But if I'm reading this verse right, that's a prophecy as much as it is a command. He is not just telling us to go. Yes, he is. But he's saying, y'all gonna go. It's going to happen. This is the way it's going to happen. God's good news, the news of God's power, the news of God's love, that's what's going to go all this world you see when you turn on the news tonight when you get home you turn on fox news cnn any of those other things even the local channels you know what they're going to tell you tell you what's wrong they're going to tell you all the bad news in the world and who else has died and who else is sick and how it's never going to end they're going to tell you all that stuff but jesus said that's not the end the end only comes when my good news is spread across the entire globe. I want the world to know that I love them. This world is full. This world is smack full of gloom and doom. And I don't have to tell you that. You knew that before I told you. You already knew that. Most of you are even listening to that with those worries nagging in your mind. And I need you to hear that your job is you've got the good news. When is the end going to come? When God says it's going to come, not when CNN says it's going to come, not when some preacher tells you it's going to come, it's going to come when God says it's going to come. God's good news is preached. <laughs> some of y'all are really focused in on the end times, and every time I look at the end times and try to do study about what it means and all that, I can only come to one conclusion, 
That table is set by the Lord Jesus Christ himself on his terms for his purposes and his terms and his purposes because he is a good God are always good. I always equate, because I grew up in this independent fundamental stuff. I, I know how this works, and I've heard enough of the preaching. Some of y'all probably have too. You hear about an end time sermon, oh my goodness, now you're just going to have to not even go to get to sleep because you're worried to death about it all. But my goodness, if that's what we've come up with listening to end times, we've missed the whole point. He says, yes, there will come an end, but when it comes to an end, that's because I've done all the good work. Jesus says it's all good at that point because it's all ready. The world is ready. I've shared the good news. And I'm reminded of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We, all, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. If you were to go back in that passage, I love that, I love that, ver that verse. It's all for our good. He goes on to say in that next verse, for whom he did foreknow. He knew us before time. God knows you now, but he knew you before you ever existed, and he created a plan for you. He even goes on to say, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to, become, to be conformed to the image of his son. He's got a predetermined plan. He's got it all mapped out, and he did it. By the way, that, that word foreknow always is connected with the love of God. Always connected in the, in the Old Testament, I mean, the New, New Testament, excuse me, it's always connected to the love of God. He says, if he foreknew us, he's got a predetermined plan for us that we might be, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I think we get this Elijah mentality where we, well, it's just us and a few others, that's all that's ever going to be saved. No, I believe my Jesus died for many, many people. He is a ransom for many. I believe there will be many who come to Christ. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to have the biggest churches. It doesn't mean any of that. It does mean that God has got a big plan. It's a huge plan. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Amen. I have glory waiting for me. So right now, do not, do not listen to the news. Do not hear the news. Don't give up because of the news. Don't be deceived because of the news. Don't be alarmed because of the news. Your God is always in control. And I'm closing. I want to say this to you as I close. It's not over yet. It's not over by a long shot. Quit getting your end time advice from Facebook and CNN. Don't pack it in just yet. I'm reminded of Louise Watterson, dear saint of the Lord. I had the privilege of knowing her very, very brief amount of time in her life. And I know some of y'all at this church knew her for much longer and knew, knew more of what I'm talking about than I even know about it. But I remember visiting her a few times and going by her house, and she's feeble and frail and even had a hard time breathing. But she was telling us every minute that she said, I'm ready to go home, but God's got something for me now. Louise Watterson is an example. It ought to be an example. It ought to chastise every one of us that are sitting around worried and wondering, when is it all over? No, 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 no. God's ready. He'll take you home. He took her home. Is she not home now? We know she's home. We know she's in heaven. We know she's, she's rejoicing with the Lord Jesus Christ. But there was a short period of time where she didn't feel great. She didn't feel good, but she knew that God had a purpose for her. It's not over yet. Second thing I want to remind you is you've got a mission. God works all the way up to the end. <laughs> Forgive my sports 
reference here, but I remember back in February, about the end of February, some of you Carolina fans will not like this reference. The end of February, Duke and Carolina played. UNC led that entire game. Up until, I think it was, I actually looked at it uh, last night before I, before I knew I was going to preach about this. I think they led up until about the third or fourth, I mean, it was like three or four seconds. I mean, it was a matter of seconds. Duke not only came back and tied that through into overtime, they ended up winning that game. The reason, I think in part, I mean, Carolina had its problems generally with basketball this year, I understand that, but one of the things that you have to admit is they put Duke played all the way up to the end. Whether you like them or not, they did. They didn't give up. They didn't say it was over. And I want to tell you that it's not over until the Lord Jesus Christ says it's over. Third and finally, let's be the church till he comes. I've told you once, I think I've at least told you five times since this whole situation has started, that nothing is going to prevail against the church of Christ. We have an obstacle right now. We can't assemble. But we are, we always will be, the eternal bride of Christ. So we have to think about, okay, we're, we're the church. We've got to be that till he comes. How are we going to worship God better? We've tried to do it today. We're going to try to do it even better. How can we edify one another? That's an important part. How can we build one another up in the Lord? And don't forget, we still are called to evangelize. How are you going to share the gospel with your unsaved friends and relatives? Don't hunker down and die. Don't give up. Don't, don't, don't roll over and just kind of curl up in your bed and just say, forget about it all. No, no, no. You are called to be the church until he comes. And I want to encourage you to do exactly that. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.